Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Good morning, Trailside Church. Pastor Sean here. Uh, so excited to have you. If you can believe this, in the month of May, uh, it's just mind blowing to me that we are actually five months into 2020. We've almost experienced as much of this year in quarantine and all this nonsense um, as we have of just a regular year. And so I hope you're doing well. I hope you're fighting the good fight that you are sticking through this because there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I know I can't wait to uh, hug you and high five you and elbow bump you if that's your thing. I know I'll be terrible about social distancing because I just love to hug people and say hi and do things. And so I'll ask for a little bit of grace there because I know I'm terrible about that, but I'm so excited uh, to be with you this morning. And welcome to everyone who's watching online outside of our uh, normal Traveler's Rest Greenville upstate community. We are now unofficially, officially Trailside Church Incorporated worldwide as we have a few countries, folks in different countries who are now watching and uh, meeting with us and communing with us. And uh, I say that kind of in jest, but I just think it's really cool. And so I hope it brings a little levity uh, to you this morning. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to let you know as well, if you are a parent, um, if you have children in the Trail Kids ministry, uh, our children's director, Doug, and, and his wife, Carmen, have done an incredible job of putting together uh, children's ministry worship services for you to hang out with your children, to help disciple them, as Deuteronomy says, that that's our first call as parents is to disciple our children and to give them a worship experience as well that is suited for their age. Uh, that is, it's fun. Uh, it's it's enjoyable. I know my kids are enjoying it. We're going to watch it uh, this morning right after we're done here. We're done with our Facebook Live just after lunch. And so I hope you'll be able to do that as well. It's on our social media pages. It actually will be in the comments area of wherever you're watching it here, whether that's streaming on our website, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, it'll all be there. So please make sure to watch that. Doug is doing an incredible job of loving our kids well through the quarantine. And if you didn't know that was there, then I want to encourage you to take time to do that. You can also actually like our Trail Kids Facebook page as well. It's linked from our main Trailside group as well. But Doug's doing an incredible job just making sure that you guys as parents and me as a parent as well have the opportunity to love our children well. Uh, hey, before we dive in, I want to let you know as well, if you uh, are prepared to, to give and to support the ministry of Trailside Church, ministry is still going on. We're seeing some really incredible things. There's a few different ways for you to do that, and I'm sure Dusty will have it on the screen here, but you can go to our website, go to www.trailside.com church slash give. You can text the number on the screen um, or you can drop it off in snail mail if you want as well. Uh, there's a lot of different ways as well as the app that we have. Um, if, if you go into the app, you can click the bottom button there that says give and you can give that way. On the other side, you'll see our sermon notes area. And so that's an opportunity for you to follow along with us this morning as well. Um, so, hey, really quick, I want to pray and we're going to get right into it this morning. So pray with me. Uh, Jesus, you're good and we trust you. Uh, we know that you are in the midst of everything happening right now. And as we continue our series about the unstoppable church in Acts, I pray that you would encourage us and be with us this morning. God, we thank you for our families. We thank you for the folks who are uh, eager, eager to see this over. And whether that means diving all the way back in immediately, as I know some folks like, like me are ready to, or whether that means taking their time, uh, that doesn't mean that we aren't so ready to be back to normal. And so Lord, my prayer for this, my prayer for uh, this time together is that you will allow us to be encouraged um, as we begin to take steps in 
uh, to looking what that's going to look like in the future and that you would be um, so honoring and loving toward us as we dive into your scripture today because you are everything. Um, and because of that, we have life. And so be with us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, one thing I forgot to mention is that in the next week, uh, your pastors and I and the staff are getting together and we're going to get together and we're gonna, we actually have a plan of how we'll reopen. Um, we don't have definite dates yet because we want to be wise, but we do have some thoughts about how we're going to do that. And we'll be sharing that with you as well. We hope that man, soon we'll be able to be back together. But if you have your Bibles or you have your app, we're going to be in the first few verses of Acts 3 this morning. And one of my personal favorite stories in the book of Acts, I know that's hard for a pastor to say, um, but as you're turning there, I want to give a special shout out. Uh, we're talking about uh, this healing that happens in the first part of Acts in this gate called Beautiful. And I, I thought it'd be probably perfect to have a beautiful setting behind us. And so thanks to, to Joey, um, that we're actually on the set at North Greenville College. Um, and we're here in this amazing, amazing view of the mountains, uh, remembering what God has done and how he's created this beautiful place for us as we seek him as well. So Jody Jennings, we appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us on campus and Josh. Um, we're so excited about the future. And so uh, we're going to be in Acts 3, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through, I think it's going to be verse 10 today, uh, and then we'll get started with 11 next week. But let me read this to you and give you a quick understanding. We just got done with Acts 2, um, that the, the Holy Spirit has come, that the disciples are doing incredible things. Peter gave this amazing sermon, and then here we pick up in Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. So Easy way to do that. Uh, 6 a.m. was the first hour, so nine hours on to that. So we're at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And a, a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go to the temple, he then asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So, so let me give a little, a little area of kind of what's happening here. Uh, and I think it fits well with this unstoppable men mentality that we're trying to have as a church and really the way our culture is right now. Uh, as, as, Peter, as Peter's going to the gate, right, as they're, they're making their way, him and John, toward worship, toward prayer, they meet this beggar who has been laid down at the front temple, at the temple gate, excuse me. And he's, he's hoping to receive alms, which is just gifts. It's, it's literally uh, saying like money and things to kind of earn his keep. So when you were a, a beggar or when you were broken, um, when your body was broken, you were kind of seen as a lower member of society, but you still had these things you had to bring to the table. You still had to find a way to show value. And so what this beggar would do is he would actually have his family bring him to the gate and he would attempt to beg for money every single day of his existence. Every single day, he would be laid at the gate and picked up because he couldn't get there himself. And he would attempt to get money and get things so that he could bring something to the table, something of value, because he was seen as a less than person, as not having any ability to care for his family and to be a, a good part of his family. It's kind of a, a rough moment. And so he actually is laid in front of this gate as the Jews would cross from the Gentiles into the Jewish area of the, of the temple, and he would just beg and, and ask for something so that he could have some worth and some value. And so it says, as they were walking to pray, he was smart. He set up where the real good Christians were, right? 
And he said, if I'm here, then people will take pity on me and they'll give me what I need. And I can have value. And so every single day, he sat at this place of separation from the Gentiles to the Jews at this beautiful gate. And he asked for money. Now he didn't know, obviously, but as he's sitting at the gate, he is about to meet two disciples, two men that are sold out to everything that Jesus Christ is. And he's about to come in contact with them. And so as he's just kind of doing this thing where it's quantity over quality, right? It's kind of like how I like to tell jokes. I just tell as many as possible and hope that a few will land. Um, I, I think more land than I think I'm giving credit for usually. Uh, it's just, you know, me saying here. But uh, anyways, he is a quantity over quality guy. He is just throwing out every opportunity he can to have some opportunity to, to hope that he can show value to his family and to the people around him. And so he, he sees Peter and John. And in verse three, it says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. So imagine you're, let's say, somewhere really, really crazy. You're at the mall, and there's people going by, and you know, there's someone handing out tracks or, or speaking out in the air, whatever. And, and someone looks at you and says, hey, look here. Hey, right here, right here. Like That's going to get the attention, right? Because when you're throwing out this quantity of hopeful getting money and you have one guy who says, hey, look at me, give me your attention. What I'm about to give you is more valuable than anything you can get from everywhere else. Everywhere else. And they say, look at me. Verse five, he fixes attention on them expecting to receive something from them. Pretty fair. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So uh, imagine you're this beggar at this beautiful gate. Now this gate was called beautiful because it was a very clear understanding of when the Gentiles' opportunity to uh, go in prayer and commune with the Lord ended and the Jews' opportunity, the chosen race began because it was like a 75 foot tall gate. It was covered in silver and gold. It, it was adorned is actually how it's written so that you knew when you walked in that you were in a special place. It was the inner courts of the temple. It was a place that was meant for separate worship for God's people. And as he's sitting at this gate, the disciples look and they say, look at us. And the expectation is that they're gonna get something, but, and, and they are, but the first thing Peter says is like, I don't have money for you. I don't have silver. What you are seeking, I do not have. Because I have something better. I have something greater. And then Peter looks at a man who every single day had been carried and dropped and placed in front of a place of worship that he was not allowed in because of his state. And he looks at him and he says, I don't have what you're looking for. What I have is better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this is what happens. Verse seven, and he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Not like eventually, not like he touched him. was like, hey, you're gonna have to, you know, like a, a new, you guys have seen like a newborn deer where they kind of wobble a little bit. Like he's not, he's not saying, hey, come on, get up and I'll show you how to walk. Remember this man had been broken from birth. He didn't know how to walk. 
But Peter says, stand up. And immediately when the hand of God is on him, when healing happens, it is immediate and full. And the man stands strong on strong legs and strong ankles and strong feet. He is fully restored. He has given everything he needs, much more than silver and gold. And verse eight is his response. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. See, here's the question that, that we have here. Um, what happens when the unstoppable church met with the Holy Spirit, when, when God moves in someone's life? What happens? What can happen in your life? What can happen in the life of the people around you? Remember, scripture says, it says very clearly, when he walked into the temple, which is, well, we'll get to that in a second. When he walked into the temple, everybody recognized him. They saw him and they said, hey, that's, that's the guy. It wasn't a, a wonderment of like, I think, is that, is that him? No, it says they immediately recognized him. Immediately. They saw him in his full, healed, complete state. Because here's what happens when the un unstoppable church shows up. When God moves, it, it affects three different groups of people. The first person it affects is the, is the one who is hurt. See, when, when God comes in, when God shows up, he does not just heal halfway. His sufficiency and his healing and his care for us is full. It is 100%. There's nothing God does halfway. And, and I think that's something that I even try to bring into my, I fail, but I try to bring into my life. Like there's nothing that God does halfway. And notice Peter and John don't qualify him either. Right, like they, they see this beggar at the gate and what so many people had seen and understood, he's always there. They could have just passed him by. They could have just accepted him as part of the, the environment around them and been like, yeah, that's, Bill Bob, uh, that probably wasn't his name, um, but um, there he is. He lays at the gate. He asks for money. Sometimes we, we pop a coin his way and, you know, feel good about ourselves. That, that's not what happened. In fact, they saw him and they said, I, I can't give you what you're looking for. I'll give you something better. And they fully restore him back. They, they give him what he never could have thought that he ever would have had again. And so it has this incredible effect when, when a person is met with the, the spirit of God, when the power of God moves, it drastically changes lives. And here's what I, what I want you to get. This is the first thing I want you to get this morning is this, and I want us to carry it, church. I, I want you to hear this. I want it to, to just invest into your heart and your soul. And I want it to come pouring out of you, not even just when we get back from this COVID thing, but even now that that God can step into the life of what is the most broken thing and he can bring full, beautiful restoration. And that's what happens. He's, this man was looking for money and instead he, he got restoration. See, they didn't give him what would just matter for a day where he could go back to his family and say like, hey, I made this much money, please still accept me. No, what they did instead is they gave him a restoration back into the fullness of life, into, into 
being removed out of this, like looking, being looked down on and being hated on. And they said, you now have a seat at the table of fullness. You are restored and whole. You no longer have to be carried to a gate on the outer courts. And so the first effect is on him. And I wanna encourage you, church, if, if you are at a place of needing healing, needing hope, or if you know someone who you think is too far beyond the gospel, I was once someone that was too far beyond the gospel. The, the church is littered with people who their lives and their stories and the things they did and that remove them too far from the gospel in man's end. But what God sees is a full restoration, is hope, is that there's nothing that can separate something that was broken into being totally fulfilled and made right and redeemed. There's no one in this city, in our city, in your city, wherever you are, that is beyond the hope of the gospel. But what we have to stop doing is discrediting and telling people that they're not worthy of it or that it's not a place for them. Because what Peter and John did here is they said, I'm, I can't give you what you think you need. I'm gonna give you what you don't understand that you truly need because you didn't know it was possible. And I know you know, and I know I know. Moments in my life, moments in your life, moments in, in people's lives around you who right now are have no hope, that can be fully restored by the power of God back into the kingdom. The second, the second thing it affects that we see here is it affects our worship. I once heard a great quote. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy who like I, I'm. I'll raise my hands and I'll move a little bit when I worship, and um, we'll talk about that another day and why that's important and how that works. Um, but I, I was listening to a, a guy one time, and he said, uh, or someone asked him, addressed him about people at his church that were very excited, very excitable, uh, kind of jumping up and down and crying. I, I think that's what it was. She was she was just weeping and very very demonstrative in their worship. And they said, why do you allow that? And he said, this is why, because um, I don't know, and neither do you, I, I don't know the level of deliverance that that person has had and the depth of their worship is based out of that. Like, I don't know their struggle. I don't know what it is that they are so redeemed from that that is their only reaction. And I think that's something we miss in worship. Like worship can be demonstrative. It, it, it can be, it, but it can be passionate. And here's what this guy does, right? He doesn't just walk with his newfound legs. Let's, let's read back to that. Verse eight, and leaping up, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He, he doesn't just walk in and go, gosh, I hope I belong here. They're gonna know um, who I am. No, instead he, he leaps up and he is joyful walking into the temple that he was condemned out of for so long that he is now in a place where he is worshiping alongside those people who he used to hope would take pity on him. He is restored and he is whole and he is excited because he is worshiping the king, the one who just gave him intense forever redemption. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So the second thing that the unstoppable church does is it affects the way we worship. Church, my question, my, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you as your pastor, my goal is that I would help you cling and fly as fast as you can to the deepest spiritual walk with Jesus possible. And worship for me is a big part of that. And so my question to you, when we worship, when you sing, when you are worshiping God musically, 
or when you're in prayer worshiping or whatever that looks like, what, what is our reality? What's our reaction? What's our heart as we go into that? See, I think it's a great reminder for us to remember where we were and what we aren't under, the condemnation we're not under anymore and the hope that we have. And that that causes us a place of humility and great joy. That worship is a place for us to experience that true joy and hope and love and that we get to do that as often as we want. But what a beautiful thing it is to be in community in those moments. And as this used to be lame beggar who had to be carried for the first time is walking into the inner courts of the temple to worship God. He is doing so joyfully, exuberant, jumping up and down, excited because he recognizes the depth of his restoration. And that's what happens when the unstoppable church, man, operates in the power of God. And the third thing it does Verse nine and 10. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God, I'm sorry, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And then the third thing is here. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's the question. How much silver and gold would it have taken for that man to ever get to the point where he could be a living testimony to everyone else in the church? None. There is no amount. There's nothing anyone could have given that would have allowed him to walk back into the temple because it's not about the things you have or what you do. It's the fact that God has redeemed us and given us a place in the temple, a seat at the table, a place to be with him. And when that happens, and when we live out that testimony, when we are able to share what God has done with us, it speaks to other people who are lost or who are tight or who are tired or who, or whatever adjective you wanna use about their spiritual walk. And it says, this is what God does, the unstoppable God. This is what the gospel does when it impacts us and the community. It causes other people to praise the name of God by seeing what he's done in you. So church, the unstoppable church, this is your third thing today, shares its story. And it doesn't say that he went in and said, hey, everyone listen to what God did for me. It just says the way he was living by his simple walking, his jumping into the temple to worship, to pray actually with these disciples alongside the people in the inner courts, that the people who were in there who passed him by every day and recognized him as what he was now see him as who he is and that that causes them to worship God that much harder. And church, this is what the unstoppable church does. When we see God move, when we, when we are a part of God's movement in other people, when we celebrate those things, when it changes how we worship, it will change how other people worship. When we tell our stories, our testimonies, when, when we are able to celebrate what God has done, it will speak to other people who will then find joy in it as well. And that together we can praise God and that lives and cultures and eternities change. We've talked a lot about that about removing fatherlessness, about uniting families, about healing sick and broken people, about finding community when we were alone and isolated, about relationships being restored, marriages being healed. And I wanna tell you, God is doing that in our church. It's exciting. 
But again, I, I want to tell these stories because your story is worth telling and it's worth other people hearing because as that happens, lives will change. So church, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I want to remind you in 15 or in 20 minutes from now, we're going to have a Facebook Live and this one's going to be a little special. We're actually going to uh, have communion together. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we did a few weeks ago uh, together. And so I'd encourage you in that 20 minutes, um, we'll have some questions up on the screen at the end and we'll go through those as well. But we're going to have the Lord's Supper together and I'd encourage you take a few minutes, gather what you have. Um, if you didn't get the email or the message uh, earlier in the week on Friday from us about uh, preparing that, that's okay. Uh, if communion for you is Coke and uh, a piece of bread or uh, some Ritz crackers, uh, that's totally fine. But bring that with you. We're going to walk through that together and celebrate that this morning. Church, I love you. I'm excited to be your pastor. We have great things coming down the tubes. We're going to gather together. We're going to see God move, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm so excited to, to walk that with you because Trailside Church, we are going to thrive through this. And when we get back together, you better be ready because God is moving. He's moving. And I want to end uh, with the doxology, the benediction here for you guys. Uh, actually, I'm going to I'm going to pray and then we'll do that. But we kind of got away from that for some reason. I don't know why, but let me pray. And then we'll end with our benediction. Jesus, you're good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Help us to be unstoppable. God, help us to be people that are willing to give in ways that might not look like people know they need, but instead that restores people, that restores hope, that restores worship. Allow us to live our lives in a way that speaks to other people to worship in a way that is a reminder of what you've done and what you're going to do. And we thank you for all that you have done and all you will do. We look forward to being back together. God bless our church so that we could see our city change. Don't let us sit back and just have church on a Sunday anymore. Don't let us be apathetic toward the gospel. Don't let us be apathetic toward your spirit and the incredible power that it holds. But instead, let us thrive within it. Help us to think less of ourselves and more of you. In your name we pray, amen. So church, now if you will, if you feel comfortable holding your hands as a sign of receiving our benediction, benediction just means God's good word over you. And so it's literally a sign of saying receiving it as you would if you were uh, getting a handout of porridge um, if we were back in 1650. I don't know why I said that, but um, this is what our benediction is. And it comes from Romans 16 and verse 25. And this is what it says. It says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and its preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that is kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. Church, I love you. We will see you in 20 minutes for a celebration of the Lord's Supper and a check-in. And uh, hey, listen, share this, uh, invite people. Let's get this message of hope out because man, it is a good, good message of hope that people need, that they are not broken, that they have a place at the table with the King forever. I love you and I will see you very, very soon. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening and we can't wait to see you again soon.